This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. So 284, what did you watch this week? My name is Mike. My name is John. You know what I didn't watch enough of this week, John? What's that? The back of my eyelids. Oh. That's a that's a rather compelling, I mean, it's, it's boring, but I always feel fulfilled at the end of an episode. <laughs> no, I understand that, that's for sure. So... Dude. We, I, I said to Julia before we recorded tonight, I was like, we have a lot to talk about. Mm, yeah, we I do. mean, we, we literally have a ton to talk about. We have the finale of Ted Lasso, you know, the last mm-hmm. three episodes. We have both of us together have now all finished Midnight Mass and Squid Game. Yep. Uh, Legends came back. Um, Halloween oh, Kills to, was out. I forgot to watch Legends. Okay. Well, let me phrase that. I didn't have enough time to watch Legends. Yeah, we. Uh, I worked. I worked too much. And I mean, we've got the normal stuff. What we do in the shadows, the rookie. Uh, we both watched the premiere of Chucky. I don't know if you watched any of you, but I've got the first three episodes under my belt. I did not watch any of you. What did the Kate and I start watching? <sighs> A documentary about the uh, Gardner Museum. The big art like Gardner, Maine? No, no, no. Gar- it's down in Massachusetts. It's like the Edith Gardner Museum or something like that. Mm, okay. It's the world's largest art heist. Happened in 89 or 90. Uh, there was a podcast about it. We listened to it. It was very good. So we kind of started. There's four. This it's, it's a mini series, if you will. Four parts, one hour each. We watched the first episode and the first half of the second episode. We just haven't had a chance to watch any more. So it was the largest heist in the entire world. Yeah, largest art heist in the world. Interesting. I would have thought something like that would have been, you know, over in the European areas. Yeah, the uh, documentary is called "This Is a Robbery." Happened on March eighteenth, nineteen ninety. Isabella. Oh, Stewart. so that was recent. Yeah, nineteen ninety. It's thirty-one years ago. The Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Uh, the estimated value of the artwork that was stolen is a half a billion dollars. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. So first episode was very good. Uh, first half of the second episode was very good. So. Thanks. We'll continue watching at some point. Did you ever get around to watching Muppets Haunted Mansion? I did not. Okay. That was one that skipped uh, by me this week. It's all right. No worries. What did you think of the first episode of Chucky? Uh, my note was, oh, that's exactly what I expected. 
Um, yeah, it was exactly what I expected. And also, they certainly did give you um, enough people to hate and want to see dead. Yeah. Like, everybody's a, an asshole. Yeah. Like, like, the kid, Jake, who finds Chucky at a yard sale yep. and becomes his new best friend to the end. Uh, literally everybody in his life is a giant piece of shit. And they all simple. hate him for some reason. Yep. And uh, and, I, and I don't mean like there's one reason. I mean like each person seems to have their own reason for hating him, including his fucking father. Yeah. What I think is great is that they got Alex Vincent, who played Andy Barclay in the original in the original movie, and in movies mm-hmm. since then to come back. Yep. He's in the series at some point. They got Christine um, Elise, who played Andy's foster sister in Child's Play 2. Mm-hmm. And again, in Cult of Chucky, is back. As I don't know if it's a cameo or the extent of her characters, but she's back. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jennifer Tilly is going to be in here. So. Yay. Is she going to be as Jennifer Tilly or is she going to be as the doll? As Tiffany Valentine. Okay. And Brad Dorf is the voice of Chucky again. So. Which is all cool, and I'm glad that they did all that stuff, but I I really feel like after watching, and we'll get to this later, but after watching Halloween Kills, um, the they did far more to bring back old stars than Chucky did. Well, yes, um, they most certainly did. But uh, So like we said, Jake Wheeler finds Chucky at a yard sale, and then basically Chucky slowly reveals himself to him as being alive and um yeah it's uh it's quite interesting it wasn't anything that i was like oh i can't wait to watch the next episode but i didn't hate it either yeah i wasn't blown away but at the same time it's like well okay i'm gonna watch episode two yep yep so yeah it uh it kept my interest enough it was, like I said, it was exactly what I expected. You know, they told us right up front that this was going to be a continuation of the Child's Play movies universe. Um, so it wasn't like that reboot that they had with Mark Hamill as the voice. Uh, right. And, you know, like you said, they had some good cameo stuff or some good repeats from the old days. And, yeah. Well, I think it helps that Don Mancini, who wrote all of the movies the child's play through cult of Chucky. Like he wrote them all and yeah. he directed the last three, um, wrote and directed is writing and directing this series. Now child's play, the reboot from 2019 had nothing to do with them. Like you said, that's the one where we got Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. So, um, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. There's some great nostalgia in there. Um, and I just, I kind of look forward to seeing where they, where it goes. Me too. I mean, for at least a couple of episodes. I, I, at the rate it's going, I can't see. You know, four yep. weeks down the road, I can't imagine I'm going to be like, okay, I'm excited. I, at this pace, I feel like I've got about two more episodes in me before I'm like, eh, I just don't care anymore. You know, given Fair everything enough. that we've had recently, I just feel like that's the that's the bar that we've set. Yep. No, I got you there. Uh the Connors was good, continues to be good. Dan right. got remarried to Katie, uh, Katie to, to Peggy Bundy, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, just not playing Peggy Bundy. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I'm not watching the Wonder Years. I've just decided, no, thank you. I did the same thing. 
Um, did we finish talking about What If? Yes, we did. Okay, I thought so. Yep. I did not watch the next episode of CSI Vegas yet. Uh, just didn't have time. It's on Thursday mm-hmm. nights, and I was busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So. Gotcha. As we record this on Tuesday. Uh, the Rookie continues to be the Mary Sue of all shows. <laughs> but I'm okay. Yeah. I've accepted um, it. I, I did appreciate how many different people told them, why the fuck did you run into a burning building? What is wrong with yes, you? You don't I, do that. Yes. I enjoyed that as well. Because at the very beginning of the episode, um, Nolan and Chen run into a house that's on fire. And the Nolan's girlfriend of uh, LA, LAFD, you know, LA firefighter gives him crap for it. Um, <laughs> other officers give him crap for it. The, the fire marshal gives him, the fire marshal investigator gives him crap for it. I, I just saw that they all give them crap for it. Yeah. Other police officers gave them crap for it. Yeah. Because it's something that you see on TV and movies all the time. And they even kind of comment on that. They're like, well, they do it on TV all the time. Yeah. None of that's real. Like you yeah. can die from this. You you probably have done damage to your lungs from running in there. Yep. 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 It, um, it, I don't know. Like it's going downhill. I still enjoy this show. It's it. I'm not losing interest in watching it, but Wesley's whole arc this time, like they took probably what I would consider a season's worth of arc of that, you know, the bad guy trying to soften him up and be like, you work for me now and crammed it into one episode. I agree with that. You know, this guy was just over the top and showing up everywhere and like really pushing it home. Like you thought it would have been more subtle. Like we would have taken a couple of episodes for him to really needle him and really kind of wear him down. Nope. He just came in with a hammer. He's like, fuck you. We're doing this. Fuck you. We're doing this. So, um, also like we're talking about how it's going downhill. Um, fucking Nyla double booking her dinner date. Oh, yes. Yes. Something right out of an 80s sitcom. And and I mean, in this case, they gave the explanation. You know, the first guy there, she invited him and he went to reply and thought he hit send and didn't hit send. We've all done that. Like, that was relatable. Um, However, it was still cheesy as fuck. Yeah, it really was. And then, of course, even though it blew up in her face, by the end, it had kind of been repaired with one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yay, but also, why did you let this happen? Like, why did they need to do that? Why did they need to put that in there as, like, a twist to this story? Well, I think it has to do with possibly um, the fact that uh, Turner... Right, that's his name, Thorson. Sorry, Thorson. Um, it, it it humanized him to to what's her face, Nyla. Nyla, yeah, it humanized them to each other. Yeah, that was kind of my thought on that one. Yeah, I'll give him that, but it's still kind of I don't know. It wasn't enough to make me hate the episode, but it was kind of right. cheesy. Um, what was the, that's, oh, that Lopez investigated the fire and 
tells Nolan and Bailey that uh, multiple fires in Arizona suggest that maybe they have a serial killer. Yeah, this one felt like they were setting up the rest of the, uh, uh, like, an overarching yes. story for the season. Yep, that's exactly what that felt like to me as well. Like, oh, okay, so this is the character we're going to deal with for the rest of the rest of the season, if you will, like you yeah. just said. Yep. And I'm wondering if they will or if it'll all be wrapped up next episode, because I've seen this show do both. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. We have. We've definitely seen them just, okay, we're done here. We're good. And then we've seen them, you know, hey, let's drag this out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. What, what we, we do, do in the shadows? shadows. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> nice. I, I guess so. Um, I still love the show, but it continues to play out like they didn't have the full cast for every episode. Yeah. Nandor is getting a lot of screen time this season. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he is tasked with debt collecting, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. He's tasked with debt collecting because Roger doesn't want to do it. Right. I can blame her. So he heads to the, uh, uh, wellness center to collect some money and he meets Jan who says that they're not vampires. They're humans. Because they are also they were formerly fanged because they ripped their fangs out and right. they do yoga and this and that and everything and eventually they're going to become full human again in a sense so they can walk out into the sunlight and um, so Nandor takes up with them cuts his hair pulls his fangs out and they grow back every day and is going to become human again and they celebrate this by having drum parties to bare naked ladies song one week. Over and over and over again. Um, Guillermo, who is still devoted to Nandor, even after he tells, even after when Nandor is leaving, Guillermo says, make me a vampire. And Nandor says, no. Yeah. I would not put this curse on you. Uh, he goes to try and help his master. Jan finds out that he is uh, not a vampire, then finds out he's a vampire killer. So Nandor start, uh, Guillermo starts killing a bunch of people. And then he takes Nandor back to the house with everybody else. Um, and then they try to deprogram him. And in the end, Jan also, uh, yeah, her followers start to uh, not believe in her as much since the Guillermo attacking and killing them all. So uh-huh. she pumps them up and says it's time to take into the step light, uh, the final step that is, and gets them to all run out into the sunlight. And she shuts the door behind them and goes, "Time to start from scratch." She turns into a vampire, mm-hmm. flies away. <laughs> yeah. Boom. You would think when the first vampire ran out and exploded into flames, the others would be like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing this. But nope, they all just yeah. blindly no. ran in. No, apparently uh, we're not ready for this, Jan. No, they're good. Yeah. yeah. So. Excuse me. Uh, so you didn't her. watch it, but I will say that the first three episodes of you were quite good. Um, I'll say this, though. Like, the first episode of the season kind of ends, and you're like, wow. Um, I mean, the first episode's called And They Lived Happily Ever After. And 
And you're like, okay, um, that was great. It, it almost feels like a conclusion. The second episode ended and I literally looked at Julia and went, does this feel like the end of the season? And she's like, yeah, it feels like they just ended the season. Like it legitimately felt like, okay, everything's done. But then the third episode kicks in. You're like, oh, okay, here's where we're going with this. Hmm. Okay. But it was good. Um, it was very good. Yes. Um, really enjoying it. Uh, very interested to see where they're going to go with it, but that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, I rewatched the first episode of Ordinary Joe with Julia. I said, you know, if you like it, we can continue watching it. If you don't like it, I'm just going to burn forward with it on my own. And uh, <clears throat> at the first air quotes commercial break, because it's on Hulu, um, she was like, which story are they going to stick with? Because I'm kind of invested in all three. And I was like, yeah, they're actually they do all three of them and they just show you the overlap or like how things change. She's like, OK. And we got to the end and she's like, OK, which timeline is your favorite? And we started talking about that. And so she's hooked. So we're going to continue watching that. There you go. And Legends was Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, and I did <clears throat> I did watch the first two episodes of Made. Um, had to stop at the end of the second episode because it was a little too heavy for both of us. Like it wasn't too heavy as in like, oh my god, I can't watch this anymore. It was just like I I need to breathe a little bit. You know, it really that's a very real show, and I know that it's based on memoirs, but that's a very real and rough show. Yeah, so Kate um, kind of just summed it up for me because I was I felt the same way. I was like, I just don't want to watch this. I deal with this stuff at work all day. I don't find this right. like this is not entertainment to me. I'm not into this. Mm-hmm. And Kate, Kate sort of summed it up for me. So okay, uh, we're still gonna push through and we're gonna watch the whole thing. It, it's good. Like I'm enjoying it. She's enjoying it. But it's yeah. just you can only take so much before you have to step back and be like, okay, now I need something like what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate a couple of things though in the uh, the artwork and the direction. Like I liked the um, the ticking money that kept going. You know, the countdown of her money in the corner of the screen. Yes. Yep. Um, and I also liked in uh, the second episode. I know you said you watched one and a half episodes. Did you ever get to the part where she went to court in the second episode? Oh, and the judge is going legal, 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 legal. Yes. Yes, I yes. thought that was good. I enjoyed that. I love that because it legitimately, like, it kind of gave us a, an inside perspective as to what it must be like for people like that in the court system. You know, we, you and I deal with jargon all the time, you know, state jobs and, you know, dispatch. Yeah. We deal with all those big words and the jargon type stuff. Most people are just like legal, 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 legal. Hey, judge, can I throw some more legal at you? Oh, legal away. Yeah. And then she runs up and she's like, what did you just decide? Like, I don't understand this. So I appreciated that as well. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought that was uh, realistic. Um, I just didn't feel like I could watch the rest of it. I understand that, especially with your line of work. Uh, Ted Lasso, sad it's over. Ted Lasso. So... We've got three episodes to cover here. We don't have to do deep dives in all of them, but um, something was pointed out to me that I had completely forgotten. Um, Rebecca, who is the actress, is Hannah Waddingham. Did you realize that she was the um, 
the woman with the bell in Game of Thrones who did the shame, shame. Oh, no, I didn't. She apparently kept the bell and still has it to this day. Oh, that's funny. No, I didn't realize that was her. Um, the the first of the three episodes was the one with the funeral. Uh, Rebecca's dad had passed away. And uh, I love the, the uh, opening part there where Keely was trying to be all somber because she gets really, you know, uh, profound at funerals. And uh, she's talking to Roy and he's like, no, it's a dead guy. And she's like, well, what would you do if she gave some kind of um, ridiculous thing? Like, what if somebody killed you? What if you stepped off and got hit by a bus? And he's like, I'd expect you to avenge me, Kaylee. Keely, yeah, avenge yes. me. Go after yeah. the bus driver and kill him. It was awesome. I like uh, I like Roy. Um, I, like, I like his dialogue. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, this one, this episode had a lot of like character quirks. So you had like Danny and his whole thing about hating dress shoes. Like he got to the point where he was almost neurotic about it and had to put his cleats back on. Yeah. Um, Ted had another panic attack because he doesn't deal with death well after his dad. Yeah, he talks about his dad's suicide. Um, Yep. Yep. That was big. Um, Beard had to put Jane on FaceTime because she's that morbid twat that loves funerals. And so she wanted to see everybody crying. Yep. Uh, Rebecca and her mom. That was that was intense. Like her mom basically was like, oh, I knew you never liked me. I kind of liked that you hated me because at least it meant you felt something. You weren't indifferent towards me. Yeah. Um. So that was pretty profound. Uh, they there was that whole thing where um, Rebecca did the eulogy for her dad, and it was never gonna give you up by Rick Astley. It was fucking amazing. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let <laughs> you down. Never gonna turn around and you. Um. <laughs> and then uh, this was also they were all. Uh, gathering backstage, I guess. And, uh, basically finding out that Rebecca and Sam had a thing going on. Yeah. And they were being super loud and people have to keep coming back and telling them to shut up. Um, Jamie declared his love for Keely, which yikes. Yep. Not very appropriate time. Uh, And I loved it. I actually wrote it down at the end when Rebecca's talking to Sam and she's like, but, He's like, oh, I hate big butts and I cannot lie. This is <laughs> this is a musical episode, if ever there was one. Um, the next one, the doc's going to be saying bye. So Ted's trying to teach everybody to choreograph bye, 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 which was hilarious. That was very good. I enjoyed the hell out of that. I, I wrote this one down, too. I love some of the lines in this. Um they're getting ready to do a photo shoot with Keely and they want Roy in some of the pictures. And he, uh, he says that the photographer says that his eyebrows were crazy. And he's like, he asked somebody, he's like, are my eyebrows crazy? And he's like, your eyebrows aren't crazy. He's like, thank you. The person's like, they're psychotic. He's like, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so before the photo shoot though, uh, Keely spends a long time with, Nate trying to help him buy a suit, and and mm. he kisses her. Yep. Uh, really and then interprets everything. Yep. And then 
uh, Roy heads over and meets up with Phoebe's teacher because she's asked to see him. And it's like, oh, no, no, it was half day and Keely was already gone. He showed up to pick her up, but Keely was gone. And um, and then he asked, we're doing all we're getting ready for parent night. Uh, and this is all the artwork that for sale. And he goes, where's Phoebe's? She's like, we can't sell any of hers. Why not? And she goes and gets them and it's all boobs. And he's just like, these are remarkably, these are remarkably accurate, you know, and they like look really good. And he spends a good couple hours hanging out with the teacher, helping her. And then she asked him if he was married and he said no, but he also never said he was in a relationship. So he heads, he heads home for the photo shoot. And like in the middle of the pictures on the couch together, Roy tells her, oh, no, no. Keely tells Roy that mm-hmm. Nate kissed her, kissed yeah. her. She kid, Nate kissed her. And Roy tells Keely that he just spent like three hours with Phoebe's teacher. And when she asked if she was married, he said no, but he didn't say he was in a relationship. And um, and then she uh, Keely follows it up with Jamie told me that he loves me. Yes. Yeah. And they took their pictures. But what I liked is the fact that they pretty much talked about it in, in episode 12 mm-hmm. and just resolved like, okay, but we love each other. Yeah. And if anything, it made me realize how much I love you. So I like that. Yeah. Um, like you said, Sharon was leaving. So Ted tracks her down to give her the team's gift, which is a big cash envelope, big envelope yeah. of cash. I mean, and they go out for drinks and then he ditches her. So I thought that was good. And she was like, oh, you took my move. Yep, exactly. Um, and then the other big backstory in this episode was the uh, African billionaire who wanted to buy Sam's contract and have him come play for Casablanca and have the first African team to win the World Cup and blah, 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 blah. And that plays Edwin out in the last Akufo. episode. Edwin what? Edwin Akufo, and I love the actor that plays him. He's yeah. freaking phenomenal. He's he's a riot in everything that he does. Oh yeah, and he wines and dines Sam like crazy, and on and on and on. And then, and then in the final episode, after Sam says no, I I don't want to go play for your team, he like drops the accent practically and just like curses him <laughs> out like horrifically. Oh, he goes ape shit on him. I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to ruin your family. You're never going to play soccer, football in Africa again. You're a disgrace. You're just, and then like, there are two different tribes or two different villages or countries in Africa or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, essentially he's just like, yeah, you're just a, a piece of crap, whatever, you know, native that Sam is. Um, I thought that was great. And this guy, I love that Edwin Okufo has an official handshaker because he won't shake hands with people. So this guy mm-hmm. does it for him. And the guy walks up to Sam and you know, puts his hand out, extends his hand to shake it. When Sam goes to say, he does the the hand in the hair thing and turns it yep. away. Um, back in episode 11, right at the end of it, te- uh, Trent texts Ted and lets him know, hey, here's a heads up for the article that's going to be in the paper tomorrow. And it's about Ted actually having a panic attack. And he mm. says, and because I respect you, I'll tell you that Nate was my anonymous source. Which he never should have done. I mean, it's no. awesome that he did, but well, yeah. Well, then in the next episode, when he's not there at the uh, 
the, the press conference, he sees him afterwards and he says, how come we were in the press conference? He goes, oh, I'm not a reporter anymore for The Independent. Why not? Well, it leaked out that I revealed my anonymous source. Well, I didn't say anything. No, I leaked mm-hmm. it. He goes, it was time for me yeah. to move on, blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Keely gets offered her own job. Gets offered to have her own PR firm. She's gonna take him, take him up, take. Uh, she's gonna do it. Um, Roy wants to take Keely on holiday, but she can't because she she's our launches new business and she's overworked and stressed out and he should just go by himself because he makes a big deal. But he hasn't been on a real holiday since he was a child because mm-hmm. of football and everything. And now he can, and now she's too busy. So I wonder if that's going to hurt their relationship. Well, I love to to the point you were making earlier. Like she says, no, you should go yourself. I'm too busy. And he's yeah. like, are we breaking up? And she's like, why? No, I'm just busy. You're going to go have a great vacation and I'll see you yep. when you get back. Yep. Um, I like how Roy's pissed off and he wants to talk to somebody about it. And then Jamie wants to talk to him. And then he goes after Jamie. And Jamie's like, hey, before you say anything, I just want to apologize. I never should have done that. I was just in a bad state of mind. And I freaked out. And I panicked. And I never should have said that to Keely. I never should have tried to come in between you guys. I'm just so sorry. I just never should have done it. And Roy's just like, fuck, and walks off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he, he basically wants to talk to Ted and company. And he's like, oh, the Diamond Dogs? So he he assembles the diamond dogs mm-hmm. and he talks about how he was pissed at um, Jamie, but then he apologized. And so, you know, he just can't be mad at him. He's like, he, he's gotten over it because Jamie apologized to him and he's, he's he goes, you know, what's weird is I fucking forgive him. And uh, Ted calls a meeting to the end of the diamond dogs and, and Roy's just like, so wait a second. You mean you guys just get together and maybe one of you talks, but you don't actually come up to a solution. You just end this conversation. And they're like, yeah, that's, sometimes that's how it happens. And he's just like, okay, I think I like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> oh, and then Nate says, Hey, I don't want to upset you, but uh, I, um, I, I, I kissed. Keely and Roy's like, yeah, I know you did. Don't worry about it. But I, I kissed your woman. Yeah, I, I know you did. It's okay. But Jamie, all, all Jamie says is that he loves her and, and you wanted to murder him. And I actually kissed your girl. Yeah, Nate, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. And so now Nate's offended because <laughs> Roy's not threatened by him and doesn't care that he kissed his wife. Right. Uh, and and also Nate. Now, do you think Nate is justifiable in his reaction that he's pissed off? No. At Ted. And, no, not at all. It made and, no sense. Yeah, and that Ted's been neglecting him, and he's been trying to get him, get his attention, and he's the only reason why the team's winning, and yada, 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 and on and on and on. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, and Ted's just still Ted about it, and Nate rips the believe sign in half after they, you know, they won their game, so they, they got promoted. Because um, they... They used his move and gave him credit for it and gave him full credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. They used his whole like attack plan, gave him full credit for it. Um, but yeah, he still storms off and acts like a little bitch. Um, oh, Rebecca's ex-husband gifts her 
the all his shares of the team and his wife's shares of the team after her father died, but it's because we find out that he just bought a different team. Mm-hmm. And we find out that um, Nate is his coach. Yeah. So is it weird that Nate started this show with black hair and now he's a full gray haired man? Well, that's what I was going to say. He, uh, it's not just gray. Like it's been graying every episode and now it's like stark white. Like I, I wonder feel like stress. Yeah. I don't know if it's stress or if it's supposed to be like him turning evil. Um, but he definitely has taken a very different path than I expected. Yeah, like he's the one character on the show that you actually don't like. Like, yeah. Rebecca's ex-husband's an ass, and, you know, Jamie's Jamie, and there's some people that you're just like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, this guy, what they've turned to Nate, I just don't like him. No, and I don't get it either. Like, his turn made no sense. You know, when you were like, oh, do you get this? I, no, I legitimately don't. It didn't make any sense for him as that character to do that. So I don't know. I just, I, I didn't like his logic. He basically said, you made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. And then you abandoned me. Like that was his big thing with. Yeah. And they, um, basically Nate's being a little bitch. Yeah, he is. And, um, the, uh, I did like that. They did the all hands on believe. Yes. You know, instead of doing hands in, the the captain's like, no. And he put his hand up on the believe sign. And then everybody did the believe sign after they said, yeah, we want to go with Nate's thing. We know that, you know, it's the best thing, blah, blah, blah. We're capable of this. We have the skills for it. Um, We can pull it off. And then that's when, you know, after after all that succeeded, after they went all hands in on believe, after everything was perfect – that's when Nate decided to rip down the sign, you know, being a little yep. dick that he is. Yep. Uh, also, what else happened? Uh, oh, Sam uh, bought a store and he's going to open mm. a Nigerian restaurant. Yeah, because this was very odd. I know that there's another season coming, which is great, but we got like PSs, multiple PSs, but they were spread out. Yes, so, like, you know. Six weeks later, two months later, et cetera, et cetera. It was five days later, um, which was the whole Keely and Roy thing, which was funny as hell because she was like, what have you got in your hand? He's like, airplane tickets. She's like, but they're paper. And he's like, yeah. She's like, how'd you get them to print them out? And he said something and she's like, are you sure that they'll take paper tickets at the airport? And he's like, yes, of course they will. (laughs) Like, it was just so funny. Once again, saying that he's very old. Yeah. Old fashioned, maybe. Yeah. And then it was three weeks later that was Sam buying his Nigerian restaurant. Two, two months, months later was Nate being revealed as the coach for West Ham. Yeah. So. Uh, what other shows we got to talk about? I know we got uh, Midnight Mass and Squid Game, but any other? Uh, I think that's it for the shows that we've got to talk about. Okay. Uh, so, Squid Game. Um, what did you think as a whole? Yeah, you said whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, it was very over the top. Yeah. I, I had, I think 
third or fourth episode in, I had it figured out about the old guy. Yep. Um, I was like, no, he knows too much. He's he's too good at this stuff. He understands the games, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was just like, yeah, th- this this makes sense that he would be somebody in charge of the whole thing. And I don't know that in the end he was really in charge of it, but uh, I feel like there were some storylines that kind of got thrown off to the side. Like I kept saying at the end, I'm like, what about her brother? You know, did yeah. he get left behind? Is literally nobody coming for him? Um, or, you know, the the cop who infiltrated the island all on his own. And we every now and then we'd flash back to him. Like, he, he's doing a full-on Metal Gear thing here. He's like, you know, ripping people off, killing them, taking their costumes, dressing up like them. Like, he was doing full infiltration. And then to just be like, oh, I... In the ocean you go. Yep. Um, yeah, I had issues with some of the pacing of some of the episodes. Like, they just seem to really drag out certain scenes for non-important mm-hmm. characters that we didn't need to see. Um, I, so that bothered me. Um, I understand building tension and everything, but like the walk across the walking across the glass you know, the, either the tempered glass, or the normal glass, mm-hmm. and it breaks free and everything. That just took way longer than it should have. <laughs> you know, like that scene, for instance, or the tug of war scenes, or there was just there was certain there was certain aspects of it that it's like, man, you really could have trimmed this down to thirty minute episodes. They could have. Um, that is that is a fact. I will not yeah. dispute. Uh, <clears throat> overall, did you like it? Overall, I did enjoy it, but overall, I probably wouldn't go back and watch it. Again, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel similarly. I enjoyed it. I don't know that I would need to watch it again. I, well, I know that I wouldn't need to watch it again. I don't need a sequel. You know, some people are like, oh, I need a sequel. Um, I still, I really enjoyed the ride that I went on. You're right. Some of the scenes took a long time. They just kind of dragged and dragged. Yeah, they just they just took too long to play out. Yep. Um, and again, they left some really weird threads hanging. Well, like, all right. So her brother, one of the final three, when she was like, you need to take care of my brother. He does. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes and gets him, brings him to his mm-hmm. friend's mother and is like, here, here's your new kid to take care of. And here's a suitcase full of cash. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. You're right. Yes, he yeah. did go back. Yeah, he took care of her. Um, the, the implication is that we're gonna that they're starting to build another game, and they finish it with basically him being like, "I'm gonna figure out and stop this at all I can." So, mm-hmm. there's that. Yep. Um, Midnight Mass. So. Midnight Mass. Um, when last week spoke, I had seen two episodes or three episodes yeah. Yeah. and you had finished it. And I gave you my prediction and you said, interesting. Yeah. And you said that you expected a different answer from me based on something in the second episode. I think you said. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what was it? It's been bothering me. What was it that you were expecting? From I expected me? you to figure out like that, that, the Monsignor had DA had somehow um, de-aged, I guess. Okay. 
I expect you I, to figure that out like that because I did. Like I was like, oh, okay, that's just him. He's young now. Something yep. happened that he's young. Yep. And um, it, so, it was right in there. Like it might have been by the fourth, the, the third or fourth episode. I don't know. I did pick up on it pretty quickly. But yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Um. Oh, I gotta look up something real quick. But I mean, the the, the angel as a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no way that anybody could look at that and yeah, not say vampire. That, that's a vampire, plain and simple. Yep. Yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, let's yeah. see here. I feel like it was meant to be much more um, uh, mysterious, but had it figured out pretty early on. Well, all right. When you start seeing, like, all right, so the main character is um riley flynn mm-hmm. and when you see his mom and dad you're like okay that's clearly younger people wearing uh costumes to look aged masks mm-hmm. makeup whatever you know yep um same thing with annabeth gish's mom um you know as a matter of fact like you know, annabeth gish is 50 and the mm-hmm. actress playing her mother is 29 <laughs> um I thought it was funny that uh, the sheriff of the town. Raul Cooley. Uh, was that the actor's name? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, well, no, I thought it was funny. I couldn't figure out if he was actually called Sharif or if that's mm. just how people were, were call it. If they were just calling him that. Did you IMDB it to check? Well, they just, yeah, and his name is Sheriff Hassan. So I don't know if his name actually is oh. Sheriff or if they're say, Sharif or if they're saying his name is Sheriff or if he, they're giving him the title of Sheriff. Right. I guess it's like, you know, Raul Cooley as Sharif Hassan, Crocker Island's Muslim Sheriff, who finds it difficult, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if, you know what I mean? So I think the Sheriff's first name is Sharif. So. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I know. Um, Nice dance, son. Um, what's her name? Bev? No. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Bev Keen. Mm-hmm. Uh, could not Fuck wait her. to watch her die, and it was very unfulfilling. Yeah. It, it was very unfulfilling, and yeah, same same boat here. Could not wait for her to go down. So, um, again, this is another series where I, I didn't dislike it. You know, Mike Flanagan, who made this, he also did House, uh, Haunting a Hill House. He did the the other one, The Manor, Haunting of Hill Manor or whatever. Bly it was. Manor. Bly Manor. He did that one. He's done this one. He's got another one called The Midnight Society or some shit. It's based on a Christopher Pike book that's coming up next year. So of the three series he's done so far, I'd say Haunting a Hill House is first. Because that is still amazing to this day, and it's something I'll rewatch. This would be second for me, but I wouldn't rewatch it. And then Blind Manor would be third, and I wouldn't rewatch that. Interesting. I mean, as a whole, I I did like it. Um, all the religious aspects of it didn't bother me like it normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, it was a friggin' vampire. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah, well, you were good about that because in the third episode, I was like, yeah, this is obviously vampires. And you're like, interesting. Yeah. Um, but what did you think as a whole? As a whole, I actually really like this a lot. Like, I was surprised how much I liked this. Okay. Um, I expected, like, I watched the first episode by myself, and I was just like, meh, whatever. It's meh, it's okay. Um, but after watching, uh, like, I rewatched it with Julia because she was interested, and I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a chance. I rewatched it, and I found that every episode was compelling like another buddy of mine was like oh it was so slow there were so many parts there where it was like 10 minutes of chanting hymnals and you know it just it got so boring and i wanted more stuff i found the pacing to this to be exquisite honestly like i really found myself drawn into it i never found myself bored or fidgety um it like i was upset when i'd have to go to bed like the uh we got six episodes in and it was like 10 20 at night and we're like we've got to go to bed like we've got work tomorrow we're exhausted but we really wanted to stay up and watch that last episode so to me that's a good sign um i really really did like this a lot and uh i might actually watch it again okay so that's all i've got to say about that you watch any movies this week uh i watched three movies what about yourself i watched a couple um see i don't know if i can count this when i'm at work i put the tv on like on amc or whatever just a channel and i'm there 16 hours on sunday and Mm -hmm. monday and so Mm -hmm. like movies played and i kind of half watched them so i don't know if i can count those or not I mean, um, you could say I watched these in the background. Yeah, but that'd be like Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, The Bye Bye Man, Final Destination, uh, Halloween 3, uh, oh, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So, like, those kind of all played. But um, two movies I sat down and actually watched, watched. Uh, Halloween Kills. I'm assuming that was one of yours. I don't know if you're on mute or not, but uh, I must have hit the mute button. Yeah, okay. uh, that was one of the ones that I watched. What'd you think? I mean, what, what were the other two movies you watched? Uh, one of them was only an hour long. It was on Netflix. It's called Attack of the Hollywood Clichés. Okay, it's, how was um, that? I, I saw that. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's only an hour long. I would have liked more examples. Like they give all the best cliches and it's funny then to watch movies or shows afterwards and be like, Oh look, it's that one. Um, you know, fighting on top of a train or yep. uh, the love triangle, stuff like that. I would have liked it though. If they had given like multiple examples, a lot of times they just show like one, they'd be like, Oh, this is an example. Like the montage was probably the best yep. one. And they talked about how Rocky made it famous with Rocky four. Um, being the best example of it. But then I was like, they better fucking say team America. And they're like, even team America. I'm like, yeah. So, um, it was fun. Rob Lowe is a fucking riot. Like he was the host of it. And he just, he leans into being Rob Lowe. Like he even says, you know, I'm Rob Lowe, so I'm better than you. Stuff like that. What was the last film? Pardon me. 
uh, funny you say that you watched um, Infinity War and Endgame because we are watching the Marvel movies in chronological order, so we did Captain Marvel. Ah, nice. Good flick, isn't it? It's a fucking great flick, and it's, it's funny. Like This was the second one that we'd watched. We watched Captain America, and Julie was like, wow, I really like this. Remember, she's seen like bits and pieces here and there of different Marvel movies, but never anything solid. So this one, like halfway through, she goes, I fucking love this movie. She's like, this is like, I like this more than Captain America. The, like the humor's great. I just, I love it. They need more like this. I'm like, okay, you're sold. Um, You know what I think she's going to love? What's that? Ragnarok. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> uh, I know you and I saw that one in the theater after a training class up in Bangor, this little theater, but man, Ragnarok has held a special place in my heart, if you will, of all the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. It's yeah. too bad that it's so far up in the list because I'm like, I can't wait to get to that one. Yep, that really does hold a special place uh, in my heart, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, the other movie I watched was There's Someone in Your House on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I love it. Seriously, because it did yeah. not look lovable. Oh, no. I really dug the hell out of it. I really, really liked it a lot. I thought they did a great job with it. You know, the killer is someone with your face. Um, There's someone inside your house. Yeah, it's based on a book. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really, really dug it a lot. Okay, now I'm going to have to add it to my list because, yeah. like... I really wasn't sold on it, but you, if you're giving it that big of a push. I mean, I get it. Rotten Tomatoes, 51%. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I really, I liked it a lot. I liked, uh, there's some cringe, you know, there's some, there's some cringy aspects of it. Cause nothing's a hundred percent perfect, but I mean, no, this was outstanding in my opinion. If they released this on home video, I would buy it. Wow. Yeah, high praise indeed. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it a, a thoroughly, a thoroughly, <laughs> a thoroughly. I like that. A uh, thoroughly. Uh, Halloween Kills. So I'm going to start out by saying I'm going to watch it again. Okay. Okay. I liked it. I'm going to watch it again. There was some pretty awesome aspects of this movie some very good storytelling uh i really liked the direction that they went with michael myers as a character Mm -hmm. as to who he was yeah and then there were some other moments that were fucking terrible yes in my opinion and they all involve tommy doyle yeah yeah it's almost like they had two different groups of writers right yeah yeah no yeah it's like, like one group was doing the uh, the stuff from um, continuing the story from the last movie. Yeah. And and then the other group of writers was like, dude, let's try to find a way to like wedge in all these old actors from the old movies and make it the worst thing that you can imagine. OK, so like I just the mob mentality that started up with the evil dies tonight. That was the shits. I, I liked when we went back to 1978 and we saw, you know, Michael Myers, how he got caught, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, how the police were tracking him down after he fled the house, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the first Halloween. Because, 
you know, how the original Halloween two doesn't exist anymore. So after the original Halloween, how he fled the house, how the police searched around the neighborhood for him, how he went here, 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 here until they finally caught him again. I, I thought that was fantastic. I enjoyed that. I loved when By the Myers. Way, yeah. Uh, the, the guy that they got to duplicate Loomis for those scenes, um, practical effects, not CGI. Really? Really? I read Get an article out. on it this afternoon. Yeah. That's outstanding. That is that's outstanding. really Because he sounded like him. Uh-huh. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I liked, you know, um, Michael just being a killing machine. I liked how when Lori was trying to be like, it's my fault. He's coming for me. And, and I don't know who it was, but it was just like, no, he's not. The only reason why he came to you is because the doctor brought him to you. The guy that took over for Loomis was obsessed with Michael Myers and he was obsessed with putting you two back together and you wouldn't come see him. So he brought Michael to you. That's the only reason why Michael came after you. He's not looking for you. He's not looking for your family. Someone forced it to happen. I was like, okay, I like that. He's just a killing yeah, machine. Exactly. He ju- mm-hmm. He's just, uh, a, he's, he is a psychopath who gets yes. pleasure in nothing but killing. And he is drawn mm-hmm. to stand in his sister's window and stare out the window for some reason. And, and, you know, there's oh he's just looking back at his reflection because he's trying to see something that's not there or whatever the reason is. It doesn't matter. But yeah, he's just a killing machine. So, you know, him killing the people as the story went, like the guy he just kept repeatedly stabbing till he found the knife he liked and walked away with it. <laughs> that was just, that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I enjoyed all that. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought some parts of the Tommy Doyle character worked well. You know, the story in the bar, coming up, finding the suspicious mm. person in the vehicle. Okay. But then him driving around, yelling at people to go home, trying to get people together so they could hunt down Michael Myers and kill him. And all these people just blindly went along with him. Yeah. Like, it's not and, like they even reported on the news that Michael Myers is out killing people. The news reported tragedies, but nothing specific. Right. And how about the fact that um, he was able to get into the hospital room with her? Like, yep. he was able to charge in there and run right up to her bedside and be like, oh, I'm going to protect you because you protected me. And I'm actually okay with that because that's actually seems like, you know, this is a guy that feels like he owes this woman a debt because of how she saved his life when he was a child. Mm. But then the chaos he caused at the hospital and the hospital getting locked down and evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Dude, and all these the fucking sheep that went along with it. Like the hospital workers, the security who was Sheriff Brackett from the first film. I mean, in the second one, technically, but that didn't exist. But yeah, so like, I just, I had, I had some tremendous issues with parts of it. I had, I loved parts of it. I will watch it again. I mean, I've watched all the Halloween movies again, so it's not like, but. Who um, was the inmate though? The other inmate was just random guy. Just, just a random just guy. Because I tried uh, Googling that. I thought maybe no, it was like an actor nope. from the original or something. Just, just some dude who happened to be out there. Just random guy that escaped with Michael. That's it. Okay. Um, 
you know, when I, I thought, so the homage to him killing the people and putting the masks on them from Halloween three. Mm, yeah, that was cool. Um, the, when the nurse from the first one is with, um, Lindsay and then the two, the doctor and the nurse, you know, the man and woman, the, the, the black couple that were at the bar, then they're with them looking for Michael and everything. And Michael shows up and he starts running on the roof of the car like he like he did in the first one. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Little throwback there. Um, I thought everyone he killed throughout the movie was killed convincingly and believably. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it being luck, some of it being viciousness, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a- until the end. Uh, that was ridiculous. I rewatched that like twice because I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm missing something here. Like, I feel like there's a transition that like skipped over, like maybe my video cut out. Yeah. You know, until the very end when, you know, uh, Lori's daughter, uh, goes to the Myers house and her daughter, Lori's granddaughter is injured, clearly the broken leg or something. And Michael's going to kill her. And she lures Michael out and gets him to chase her and steals his mask and, and goes two streets over. And then there's the ambush and they all beat him down and they're going to kill him. And Tommy's going to kill him. They're going to put him into him. Uh, Tommy tells her to go away. He's like, we've got this. You should go be with your daughter. Yeah. As if she's not going to stand right there. Like, right. And no, instead of just walking up, but here's the thing. Then the guy goes to walk up and shoot him in the head. And Michael, pops around and stabs him and kills him and kills everybody. And they easily in that cut, the sec, the way they cut that together, like with to, going back to Tommy, just like gripping the bat and standing there. Like, is he too afraid to approach Michael now that Michael's right in front of him? Is he not? Who knows? And then when he's the only one left and he finally goes at him and Michael easily kills him, you know, and then mm-hmm. when Lori's daughter decides, hey, I'm, you know, Judy Greer decides I'm going to go upstairs and look out the window like I've been hearing about all movie. And while she's standing there, Michael violently kills her. Like she um, when she was standing on the street and she looked up at the window and like it panned across to the window. I know that it was Michael, but my instinct was that it was Danielle Harris staring out the window. I know Uh-oh. it was Michael. Yes, it just, yes, it yes. looked like Danielle Harris in the clown costume. And I was like, oh, no, yeah. no, they wouldn't have done that. That would be a super dick move on their part after yeah. snubbing her. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, it was a terribly shot scene. Like of all the scenes that they did in there, that was the worst montage I've seen in a while of him yeah. killing all the people that just beat him down. Like. Yeah. They did the right thing by all going at him at once instead of doing one at a time. They got him down. You know, of course, he's going to get back up. And you've got Lori um, narrating that whole thing about how he's a supernatural being because, you know, no man would ever be able to take all the punishment that he's taken and still come back for more. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was just it was a terrible montage. And that's why, like I said, I watched it like three times trying to figure out if I was missing something. But no. Just nope. one minute he's down, and then the next minute it's cutscenes of, oh, this one versus him, this one versus yep. him, and it, it was very unpleasant. 
It was. You know, now Tommy Doyle's dead. Lindsay's alive, but not doing well. Lori's alive and looking for vengeance because her daughter's mm-hmm. now dead and her granddaughter's got a broken leg and her you, son-in-law's you know dead. That, and, do you know that her daughter's dead, though? Because we saw him stab her, but... Well, he you know. stabbed her so many times. That would be my assumption. But yes, I mean, there's, there's the possibility is she's alive. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, unrealistic possibility, but there's the possibility that she's alive. Right. So. So overall, yay or nay? Um, can I say thumbs in the middle? Yes, you can. Yeah. It's not a thumbs down. It's more of a thumbs up than a thumbs in the middle, I guess. So I, I guess I'll say thumb, thumbs up. Okay. Um, I went into the theater and saw this. By the I'm way. glad I did not. Uh, no, I'm glad I am. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen because I definitely wanted to. I, um, I got out of work at noon on Friday and went to the 1250 screening and there was only two other people in the theater with me. Yeah. So that was outstanding. Um, so I'm glad I did. So good. Yeah. So incidentally, Kyle Richards played Lindsay Wallace in the original film, Mm -hmm. the 1978 film and reprises her role in this one. Uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy Stevens, she was uh, Marion Chambers, who was the nurse in the um, first movie. And she actually re- mm-hmm. she actually reprised the role of this character in Halloween 2 and H2O 20 years later where she was killed. But those are no longer canon. So but that's kind of neat that right. she came back. Um, let's see who else. Oh, Charles Cipher played Lee Brackett, the sheriff of Haddonfield. Mm. Uh, from the first movie and he actually reprised the role in the second movie and um he he's back in this movie as him the old man version of course but here's the best part some of the previous from then uh, i read i was reading about this because i was like oh who was in this that you know what i mean etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um They used footage from Halloween 2 in this film uh, as footage from when from 1978. Like when we see him in 1978, when they go back to that flashback and we see mm-hmm. that, you know, the footage they used of him in 78 is actually from Halloween 2. Oh, uh, which is not considered canon anymore. Right. So I just thought that was funny. That is. Um Nick Castle played Michael Myers in this again. He played Michael Myers in the first one. He played Michael Myers in Halloween from three from 2018. And then now he played the unmasked version, the old man walking around. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall plays Tom Lee Doyle, but Tommy Doyle was previously portrayed by Brian Andrews in the first one. And then Paul Rudd, of course, in the curse of Michael Myers. So. Yeah. Uh, here's something I find interesting, and maybe it's not interesting. I, I don't know. Um, Kyle Richards, who played uh, Lindsay Wallace in the first movie, mm-hmm. 
she did a lot of acting back in the day. She was in the Policewoman TV show. She was on Escape from Witch Mountain. She was on Little House on the Prairie for a bunch of episodes. Uh, you know, she did a bunch of TV stuff, Father's Knows Best, blah, 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 Wonderful World of Disney, then the first Halloween as a kid, and et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, what she's been doing the last decade when she has been acting? Oh, you know, starring on The Real Housewives of <laughs> Beverly Hills. Since 2010. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, at least she stayed acting. There you go. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Sure. Sure, sure. What did you think overall? Um, Overall, I was... (sighs) Mine was like thumb in the middle, but probably more towards the down. Yep. Like for me, the, uh, the bad parts didn't outweigh the good. Like I had problems with a lot of it. Uh, I, I get that they're filming it to take place within like a three hour period, but Holy crap. Like the mob mentality was ridiculous. The fact that they got everybody to gather up like that and just like decide to go kill some dude in the hospital because he's wearing an inmate jacket. Like, come on. Yep. Um, the, uh, the kills were good, but I felt like nobody in this movie had a cell phone. You know, it's modern day. Yeah, that's true. Feel like nobody was trying to, you know, call for help or anything. Um, the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, was she unavailable to film most of this? So they kind of ice boxed her, you know, set her, her in the hospital think, to. I just think her character is uh, was recovering from the attack from the last film. Uh huh. And we'll see her heavily in the next film. Um, I can't believe that Judy Greer's character didn't tell her what was going on. I mean, I get, she's like, Oh, I want to make sure that my mom recovers properly in the hospital. And if I tell her this, she's going to try to leave. But at the same time, if there's a killer like this on the loose, that could potentially be coming for her, you might want to let her know. Yeah. You would think after everything they've been through after everything in the last movie, um, yeah, so I didn't hate it, but it definitely was a disappointment for me. I was like, really? This is the second out of three? Fair enough. And like you were saying earlier, you were glad you went and saw it in the theater. I was like, boy, I'm glad I didn't go to the theater to see this. Yeah, uh, fair, fair as well. So is that it for shows and movies? Yeah, that's it. I think we just got trailers and news. Holy which, crap, we got a lot of trailers. Which we just sort of mix them together, which I do enjoy. Yeah. All right. Oof. Um, I wanted to, this was a piece of news, but I thought it was very interesting given what we were just talking about. Um, apparently, Halloween Kills is clocking in at one hour and 45 minutes long, the 12th movie in the series, blah, blah, blah. Um, as a result of all the carnage that takes place in the film, the 
movie quickly sets a franchise record in terms of body count, but also gives Myers more victims in one movie than seemingly any other slasher movie villain in horror movie history. All right. It says of the 30 or so that are killed, 25 of them were killed by Myers, either directly on screen or implied, which sets a new record for the franchise. Um, with the minimum 25 victims that we see on the screen, Halloween kills. The film has allowed Michael's total in the movie to eclipse the body count of any other slashers. Um, Jason Voorhees' highest body count in one movie is 21 in Jason X. Jigsaw's is 22 in Saw 3D. And Chucky's is 15 in Seed of Chucky. The only other character that exceeds this in one film is Adam Green's Victor, Victory Crowley character in Hatchet 3. All right. Yeah. It's a good factoid. Yeah. So, uh, you shared the, um, Star Trek Discovery trailer. Did I? Or did I? No, you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you shared that. Um, season four on Paramount Plus. I'm, I'm just going to watch it. You know? I'm just I'm just yep. gonna watch it. Oh, that I, yeah. I mean, they don't really tell us a whole lot other than like, "Welcome, Captain." Oh, blah blah blah. Oh, this stuff is ha-. like, you know, what I mean, they don't go into great detail, which is fine. I don't want them to. Mm-hmm. I just want to watch it. Uh, we got a Doctor Who season thirteen teaser, and then uh, a week later, we got the full trailer. Full trailer. Which is going to be interesting because, as you yep. were saying, it's six episodes, one story. Yep. Um, looks good. Uh, we saw lots of weeping angels. Yep. Um, I saw Tarn on horseback. Yeah. It'll be good. It will. It'll be good. Again, something like I don't really need to watch a teaser if I'm going to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, the Scream Five trailer. So. Uh. I watched the first minute and I said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to risk giving away too much. Uh huh. What'd you think of it? Um, I rolled my eyes. Yep. Oh, uh, it's basically I, I'll watch it. Um, but there were yep. a lot of scenes that, like you said, you know, yeah. you see a lot of the characters from the first movies that survived. Um, Apparently this time it's someone who's what, what did they say he's targeting? Like, I don't know. I didn't watch the whole trailer. I don't yeah, want anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I it, heard my buddy said, stop it at the first minute, 20 seconds. Cause they give away too much in my opinion. I said, okay, yeah, I don't want to risk it. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it. I was not yeah. impressed though. You sent me the trailer for zeros and ones with Ethan Hawk. What'd you think of that? I had to watch it. So you had to watch it. Yeah, thanks a lot, fuckface. Yep. Uh, but I followed it trailer. up with the yeah, the Squid Game Honest trailer. Honest trailer, Squid Games. That was good. I like that. That was that really did summarize the series very well. If you've seen mm-hmm. it, make sure you go to Eddie Ray to watch that. Absolutely. Uh, then you sent me the Ethan Hawke trailer, Black Phone, and I'm I, I, I'm enjoy I'm going to enjoy this. This looks great. That looks fucking great. 
Yeah, basically, this this guy. It takes place in the seventies or eighties, and he kidnaps children. And this there's a phone that's not plugged into anything, but yet this kid is now listening or talking to the spirits of the other children that have been kidnapped, and they're all trying to help him escape. And they're all dead, by the Be- way. Yeah, and meanwhile, yeah. some girl his own age is like a medium, yeah. and she's seeing images and trying to lead the police to him. It looks awesome. And they're friends. Yeah. Another thing to establish: he's not just she's not just a random person. They're they're friends. Mm-hmm. So, um, then you sent me a trailer for the Bruce Willis film Apex. So you fucking must hate me. But it had Neil McDonough. That's the only reason yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I know. And then and I watched then, it. And I'm like, God damn it! It's it's a remake of Surviving the Game. Uh-huh. 94, the one with Ice T and Rucker Hauer, which is not a movie that needs to be remade. No, it's not a movie that needed to be made. Yeah. Uh, Night Raiders. I don't know. What do you think? Eh, uh, yeah. I mean, it looks okay, but it's yet again another dystopian future. This time, kids are the possession of the government, and this woman's trying to smuggle her kid away, and this other guy has his kid. And eh, I, I didn't hate it when I watched it. Yeah. Uh, Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount mm. Plus. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I think that it looks really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for a, I mean, it's not supernatural. It's not superheroes. It's not anything like that. It's just real people. But I don't know. Yeah. I think it looks pretty interesting. It's got a pretty good cast. Um, I don't know. Mob kind of thing. The McCluskey family, power brokers in Kingstown, Michigan, where the business of incarceration is the only thriving industry. Yep. I'm down for it. Yep. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Uh, you sent me the trailer for The Sex Lives of College Girls. So, um, oh, a TV show about 18 year old girls experimenting with sex in college. Yes, please. <laughs> and it's on HBO Max. So, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a uh, it's a Mindy Kaling project, which is interesting. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. She and I share a birthday, and not just not just a month and a day, but the month, day, and year. How does that make you feel? That's kind of neat. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Big Mouth season five official trailer. I'm really surprised we're getting a fifth season. Like, I'm really surprised this show's lasted this long. I am too, um, but I'm excited about this season. I think it looks yeah. good. Um, Going to have the love bug, the hate worms. Like We're getting some, some real expansion on the old emotional whatever. Yep. Hormones, puberty. Yeah, there you go. Adolescence. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Um, so you shared with me the Black Adam teaser trailer. Because DC Fandom came out. Yep, and um, I'm here for it. I'm very here for it. It does make me need to go watch Shazam. 
it really like I was surprised not as in like, you know, Oh my God, you're ridiculous. I just legitimately, it would be like, if you told me that, you know, you had a prosthetic foot, I'd be like, really? Like that would be the level of shock. Just like, wow. I (laughs) never expected you to come up with that. Like that legitimately shocks me. I mean, it's a superhero movie. It's family friendly, very family friendly. And, um, it's got Mark Strong and Zach Levi. I mean, I, I was really surprised that you've gotten to this point in your life and you haven't seen it at least once. Yeah, I know. A little odd. I get it. Uh, the Batman. I got to say, I think it looks good. I think it does, too. Um, the only thing with this, and it's just my general frustration overall, is this is what, the fifth Batman now? Like... We, we had Christopher Nolan's Batman. We had all the, you know, Tim Burton Batmans. Then we had Christopher Nolan's Batman. Then we had Ben Affleck's Batman. Now we've got the Robert Pattinson Batman. Don't get me wrong. Robert Pattinson's awesome, you know, aside from Twilight. But it just, that's what bothers me about this is how many different Batman are we going to have? And, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman is current. I know that this one is a different yep. universe. Oh, I know. But yes, Ben Affleck's Batman is current. So, yeah. Did you watch the Flash first look teaser? I did. Giggy, 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 right? Holy crap. Now, you want to talk about a Batman getting me out of my seat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He- hearing Michael Keaton's voice and then at the very end when he's about to pull the tarp. Like, that's all I remember about that trailer, and that's all I need to remember about yep. that trailer. Yep. You know? Same. I- I got to do a nice fun deep dive afterwards because I showed it to Julia. And then I was like, so here's the story of Barry Allen and why it was important that he was asking him why he wanted to be in that reality. And I just like info dumped on it. It was great. Nice. I still like that. We got Ezra Miller's flash in the DC's infinite crisis crossover. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was pretty Love awesome. That. Uh, the Shazam first look. Fury of the Gods. You obviously again. skipped that because. Yeah, I did. But I sent it to you. Uh, yep. The Peacemaker trailer. Actually um, made me want to watch it less. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like, it seemed ridiculously over the top stupid in places. Yep. I mean, I'm going to check it out. It's John Cena. I, I want to see what they're doing with the character. It's it's Taika Waititi. I mean, no, it's James mm-hmm. Gunn. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to watch it. Um, but yeah, it it's got really Robert didn't... Patrick in it with one of the worst hairstyles I've ever seen. <sighs> yeah. It really just really didn't do anything for me though. Like it didn't sell me yeah. on it. Yeah. No, the, the friggin' Eagle driving in the car with him and then hugging him <sighs> at the end. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. That just seemed a bit much, but again, I believe in James Gunn. So we'll see what yes. happens. Yep. Uh, Marvel's hit monkey. Still no interest. Really? Yep. Okay, I'm more interested now, so I'll let you know how it is. And then lastly, for what you shared with me, the Cowboy Bebop official teaser, Lost Session. Um, Fuck yes. Holy fucking fuck yes. The more I see of Cowboy Bebop, the more I'm like, I can't wait to watch this. Like, it is over-the-top absurd, like, like it can be. Um. Excuse me. It's over the top absurd, like stuff can be, but it's presented in a way that I, I like. 
Fast and the Furious 9 was over the top and absurd to the point where I was like, fuck this fucking shit. Whereas this is like, yes, I'll take it. I want more. John Cho, way to be. This trailer, I hope that this is the style of the show. I hope that they keep like this. With I think the it has breaking to be. of the walls and everything. It was phenomenal. I wanted more of this in my face right that moment. People are uh, comparing it online to Scott Pilgrim. I'm I'm there for it. I'm there for it. This was great. Oh my god, the way that they were switching scenes by shifting the bar back and forth. Holy fuck. Oh my god. This was was the best thing I've seen in a while. I I loved the dialogue. I loved the look of it. I just I was really into it and I can't wait to see more. Same here. Oh fucking yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have anything else. Uh, I've got a few news pieces. Um, you has already been renewed for a fourth season. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, they announced the premiere date for the Hawkeye series. It'll be November 24th. We're going to get two episodes to start. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Um, yesterday, I believe it was, they announced that why the last man, that Hulu show based on the comic book has already been canceled. However, I noticed tonight when we were recording that they posted that it might be getting a second home on HBO Max. So that's interesting. Um, Disney pushed back a lot of its movies. It it shoved everything back. So like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness went from March 25th to May 6th. Thor Love and Thunder went from May 6th to uh, July 8th. Black Panther went from July 8th to uh, November 11th. Um, Indiana Jones movie went from July 29th to June 30th of the next year. Um, the Marvels is going from 11-11 to 2-17 of the next year. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp went from 2-17 to 7-28. Like, everything got shifted back by one Period. Like this movie pushed back into this movie slot, so that one pushed back into this movie slot. It's very yep. odd. Yep, I thought it was as well. But again, I'll welcome it. They just need more yep. time to perfect their craft. Yes, yes. Um, and then these last two are fun as fuck. Uh, so James Gunn was doing a. Uh, <laughs> he was talking recently. And he put this up on Twitter. He says, true story. In the late 90s, screenwriting goat Charlie Kaufman pitched a movie version of Gilligan's Island where the Islanders, starving and desperate, started killing and eating each other's. Warner Brothers wanted to do it, but Sherwood Schwartz, the creator, said no way. This is James Gunn talking. He says, after Guardians, I tried to resurrect the idea and wanted to direct. It seemed Warner and Charlie were interested, but in, uh, but this time, the estate of the late Sherwood Schwartz next. Anyway, if the Schwartz estate changes their mind, I'm here. Okay. I could get behind that. Yeah, that would be a very good twist. That would be a very interesting twist on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And then probably the best news that I heard all week. I'm so excited about this. So you like Ted Lasso, right? Well, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein are the people that brought Ted Lasso to the screen. Uh, you also know Bill Lawrence from, um, Scrubs. Yeah. A little show called Scrubs. Yeah. You, you, you enjoyed that one as well, right? Uh, thoroughly. Yep. 
Well, the two of them are teaming up for another Apple TV Plus show that they're going to be writing with Jason Siegel, and he will be starring, and it's called Shrinking. It's going to be following a grieving therapist played by Siegel who starts to break the rules and tell his clients exactly what he thinks. Ignoring his training in ethics, he finds himself making huge, tumultuous changes to people's lives, including his own. Huh. All three of them will be writing and executive producing. It's produced by Warner Brothers Television well, and I'll, Doozer Productions. I will tune in. Yeah. That's Jason sure. Siegel, dude. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tune into that. Bill Lawrence, Jason Siegel teaming up. I'll turn into that. Tune into that. Yeah. I read that. I was like, yeah, I'm so on board for this. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Uh, that sum it up for you, sir? I think right. so, yeah. Well, I'm on the Twitter machine. I'm Superstar Mel. I am the Quantum Geek G33K. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you more next week.